is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. Here we go. Email us at fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. Let's go! Now, here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, and Heath. We are recapping Super Bowl 53 because we have to. Welcome to Fantasy Football Today on Monday, February 4th. And we'll look back at the season that was and peek ahead to free agency. A lot of big names going to be uh, free agents. Golden Tate's a free agent. Tevin Coleman's a free agent. Le'Veon Bell, Mark Ingram. Uh, we expect them. A uh, good chance they'll be on other teams next year. Uh, no Jamie today. He is probably flying home from Atlanta right now. But we welcome Heath Cummings and Dave Richard. What's up, Heath? How'd you enjoy the game last night? Uh, it was a, a very fun day. I had some uh, delicious smoked wings. Had mm. some jalapeno poppers. Ah. Food was fantastic. Had some some just awesome craft beer. Great day. The game, eh, not so much. Okay, good. That's all that matters. We had a good day. And Dave Richard is joining us from home in his young daughter's princess-laden bedroom. Hey, Dave. That's right. Let the record show two things. One, that I'm surrounded by unicorns and puppy dogs. And two, <laughs> that the first name to start the podcast after Super Bowl 53 is Golden Tate. That's the first name that comes out of Adam Azer's mouth. Uh, by the way, this Super Bowl would have been a lot better if the Saints were in it. Or the Chiefs. Or the Saints and the Chiefs. Or pretty much anybody but the Rams. I thought about that. But, you know, I think that this, the Patriots would have taken away Michael Thomas. And then the Saints would have similarly had trouble. They would have scored more than three points, but I think they similarly would have had trouble um, scoring. They they probably would have scored more than thirteen points. Uh, What a like what a game, huh? What a that was it was terrible. It was so boring. It was so. We can talk about the good things. The Patriots' defense did a phenomenal job of scheming. Their defensive backs played an outstanding game. Julian Edelman caught a bunch of passes. Gronk made one really great catch. Brady made it a good pass in the game. There were good things that happened. There was an amazing ad for the NFL's 100th year of existence that I've watched more than any replay or part of Super Bowl 53. What surprised you? A stat, a play, the fact that— I would say the biggest surprise was the dragon from Game of Thrones (laughs) taking down the the, the Bud Light medieval gang. That was really cool. Uh, I was was surprised by— by how bad Jared Goff was. He yeah. was so bad. I was surprised by Todd Gurley's lack of usage. I didn't think he got off to a horrible enough start to where it it meant C.J. Anderson getting multiple consecutive series as the lead back for the Rams. Yeah, I mean, that was a big story. And if you, if you heard our preview show, you know how I felt. I thought Todd Gurley was going to be good, and I thought the Rams were going to win. Um, I saw the report before the game that they were going to split carries. And it, obviously after that I was less confident. But we see those reports a lot, and then they don't always come true, you know. Uh, but they mostly did. I mean, Gurley had 10 carries for 35 yards. C.J. Anderson had 7 carries for 22 yards. I wish they had found a way to get Gurley more involved in the passing game. He had one catch for negative one yard. Yeah. It was it was all a mess. They couldn't run, and and yeah, Goff, look, they could have they, they had their chances to win. Goff should have had Cooks for a touchdown, and then when he threw deep to Cooks later in the game, he had Robert Woods wide open in the middle of the field for a big play. Uh, Tony Romo said that you know they're going to want this one back. So I think Keith, yeah. yeah, I mean that was 
Jared Goff was terrible. 19 of 38, 229 yards, no touchdowns, seven fantasy points. Only one fewer than Tom Brady. Who's uh, who's going first next year? Uh, this is an easy question, but um, Brady or Goff? Goff? I think Goff's going to be the guy. Yeah, he he really slumped to the finish line and and then beyond. You know, finish line of the regular season and the postseason. Can we all can we chalk it all up to Cooper Cup because Jared Goff was. If you look at what he did in seven games with Cooper Cup, and I didn't count the Broncos game when Cup didn't play much, got hurt. Right. You, you take that production in seven games, you give him 16 games, he finishes as the number two quarterback in fantasy this year. It was a big difference. It's a huge difference, and it I think it just goes to show you that they don't have a guy good enough to replace Cup. Uh, and I wonder if they do some serious reevaluating of their entire receiving core this offseason. Well, was there anything else you want to say about the game last night, or um, should we go into the fantasy value of these guys? I mean, I figured we'd spend a lot more time talking about the game, but it was so anticlimactic, and there's not that much to break down. I, I, there really isn't that much. I, I was a little surprised. You want to talk about surprises? I thought James White would be a much bigger part of the game plan for uh, for the Patriots. He only had the one catch for five yards. That was very startling. Edelman ended up having a huge game, and just getting open all the time. It, it it really wasn't until very late in the game when the Rams really started to contain Edelman. And I felt like the Rams really needed to find a spark in the second half. It might've needed to be like, they remember how they started the game against new Orleans, how they were in Dudsville until the fake punt. And yeah. then once that fake punt went through, all of a sudden everything clicked for the Rams. I did think that with seven minutes to play in the game, after the Patriots scored their touchdown and, and the Rams started driving, I thought, okay, well, this is when the Rams, something clicked here and now Goff is going to get going and watch this game have like four touchdowns in the last seven minutes. And it just didn't happen. Goff was uncomfortable. Uh, his receivers definitely did not come up and make huge plays. I, I think the touchdown to Cooks really, or the the should have been touchdown to Cooks really set them back. I think it really maybe took the wind out of their sails even more than it was. Um I, I think that they needed to have a spark in the second half, and they didn't have it, and they scored three points, and that's it. Heath, your thoughts? I agree mostly with everything Dave said. <laughs> Gilmore played a great game, and I think what surprised me, obviously golf being so bad really surprised me, but Brandon Cook's getting eight catches for 120 yards. As, as you heard me say, I really thought the Patriots would do a good job taking him away. Um Gilmore did do a good job on him, but Cook still had uh, 120 yards on eight catches, and um, that 13 targets for Cooks after seven straight games with single-digit targets. So uh, we'll talk about him in a little bit. Uh, yeah, it wasn't enough. If he had, if they had <laughs> throw a touchdown on him when he's wide open in the end zone, maybe it would have been enough. Uh, I think that Stephen Goskowski is going to be on a new team next year. What do you think? Goskowski's going to be on a new team. Uh, that's what I think. You know, he's. He's not he that good. A bunch of field goals. He's not he that good a bunch anymore. Of field goals in the Super Bowl. Yeah, he's he used to be the best. He's really not anymore. You miss five field goals in I think twenty nine attempts. Like that is a lot these days. Um, I think he's gonna be out of new team. Just a guess. Well, the Bears will take him. Uh, all right, so let's get into fantasy values. Uh, we've got uh, again the free agents to preview. Not a ton of news and notes. Uh, I did want to say that uh, the Patriots, if you. Okay, I, I really, I guess I should eat crow because I didn't think that giving Bill Belichick two weeks to be there was going to make that big of a difference, but it obviously did. 
And how about the fact that the Patriots were 30th in sacks in the regular season? And in the last two games, they sacked Mahomes four times and they sacked Goff four times. So give them credit for finding ways to uh, to get pressure, especially last night against a great offensive line. I think the I think the Rams were second in sacks allowed and they gave up four sacks. And they didn't have they to ball for that really, much. They were stacking the line. They were playing as many as six defensive linemen up front. Wow. So when you when you do that and you scheme as well as Belichick schemes, you're gonna find the quarterback a bunch. Okay, how do we feel about the Patriots going into next year? Heath, give me a give me the quick overview of that question or that answer. I mean, they're still going to be the best team in their division. They're still going to be in the playoffs. They're still going to be a contender, but I'm not particularly excited about I'm not drafting Tom Brady as a starting quarterback. And if the receivers, we don't know who's going to be on this team. Almost every receiver on the team is a free agent, except for Julian Edelman. Gronk is possibly going to retire. So it's hard to, like, I'm not excited about current Patriots pass catchers right now, except for Edelman. And if they don't bring in another big name, he's probably a top 24 wide receiver. Um, James White, you're looking at as a PPR only number three running back. And I still expect that Sony Michelle is probably crept into like the, the third round now. Yeah, that's the one I'm most excited about is Sony Michelle. I think that the third round value is absolutely there. The way that he finished this year. Yeah, you're going to be confident to draft him in fantasy, but the Patriots are going to be confident to use him as their main back. And, uh, you know, Heath, did you think that Tom Brady played a good game? I think he missed some throws. He did. Oh, he missed. He did not have a good playoffs. I don't. And I, I, and I just wonder if this is just kind of his unwinding a little bit. We know that when quarterbacks get old, they fall off the cliff fast. It is not a slow decline at all. And this team might have to be a little more reliant on the run. If Gronk's not there next year, you're going to see them lean on Sony Michelle quite a bit. They might even bring in another running back that'll make everybody want to poke their eyeballs out when it comes to figuring out the Patriots' backfield. But for now, Sony Michelle, for me, absolutely a top 35 type of pick on draft day. All right, I want to talk about Brady. He finishes the number 11 quarterback in six-point-per-passing touchdown leagues, number 12 in four-point-per-passing touchdown leagues. I think that he has been under the microscope and I think uh, unfairly scrutinized, in my opinion. Because when he misses throws, it's... Breaking news, like you know, like you guys, he didn't have that good of a playoffs because he missed some throws. I, I think a lot of people probably feel that way. Heath, I think that he's held to a higher standard than just about every quarterback because he's Tom Brady. And I think if you look at his, just look at his completion percentage and his yards per attempt, it's pretty consistent. It's pretty much in line with what we've seen. I think he's had a good year. What I think killed him was that the Patriots ran the ball a ton. They had, I think, the third most rush attempts and like the third most rushing touchdowns in the NFL this year. And gosh, what what happened last night and all throughout the playoffs was such a microcosm because they get to the goal line and it's going to Sony Michelle. How many short yards? And, and Sony Michelle was a terrible fantasy running back late in the season because it kept it was James Devlin over and over again. But it was pretty much never Tom Brady. So I still think that he can play. I don't know that you have to draft him as a starter. But I think you could end up getting great value because all he needs is, is to bounce back a little bit with touchdowns. He had 29 touchdown passes. And he had the worst group of receivers, especially when they didn't have Josh Gordon, probably that he's ever had. A banged-up Gronkowski all year, some Gordon, and Julian Edelman, who's never been a touchdown guy, as his number one target. Um, 
so I, I, I think we've been, a, I think people in general have been a little bit harsh on Brady. I still think he's uh, one of the best quarterbacks in football and could bounce back in fantasy. Because the last two years, I'll, I'll continue. <laughs> 2017, he was the top three quarterback. 2016, he was number 11. Um, but he only played 12 games. If he played 16 games at that pace, he would have been a uh, top three quarterback. So I don't think he's that much worse than he was those two seasons. I think the circumstances have changed a little bit for him. Well, well the circumstances, he, I'm, I'm sorry, Heath. Go ahead, bud. I mean, he was definitely worse than he has been the last two years. 2016, he averaged 8.2 yards per attempt. 2017, 7.9. This year, 7.6. But is that him or is and, that just no downfield passing game? Well, I think it's, it's probably both of those things. And maybe they'll go out and sign. I mean, there's not, we'll talk about the free agent wide receivers. I don't see a wide receiver out there that's going to make a huge difference. Maybe they draft, they're the first team to draft a wide receiver and there's somebody that makes a huge difference. I, I just, I think his weapons are going to be amongst the worst for guys you would consider in the top 12 quarterbacks. He got a little bit worse this year. He's not bad by any stretch of the imagination, but the environment changed so much that him going backwards just a little bit, he got passed by a lot of guys going the other direction. That's yeah. the whole thing. That's good there point. are so many other quarterbacks that are just putting up prolific numbers. There's just there's no reason to value Brady like you did even two years ago when no, there are so no. many young gunslingers that are just way better. Baker Mayfield, hands down, is going to be better than him next year. Uh, Carson Wentz, Jameis Winston, Dak Prescott. Give me all those guys ahead of Tom. Dak Brady. Prescott over Tom Brady. Dak in a six-point per passing Brady touchdown Brady league. Yes. Yeah, I don't know. Heath, what do you think? Uh, yeah, I definitely have Dak ranked. We we just released our 2019 rankings today on the site, and I don't know where Dave has Dak. I've currently got him at number 11, and Brady is at 16. I've got Dak at 13, and uh, I've got Brady at 15. Here's what's going to happen with Brady, because I don't think there's going to be a fantasy draft that goes by where he's not picked, because somebody in every league is going to say, wait a minute, Tom Brady's still there, and it's round bazillion. Someone's going to take him, and they're going to use him as a number two fantasy quarterback, and if he's anything close to what he's been in the past, it's going to end up being a great value pick. Things can change, though, Adam. We can talk about the the free agent receivers that they can go and get. I got an interesting one right off the top of my head. Robbie Anderson is a restricted free agent. Could you imagine if the Patriots poach him off the Jets and bring him in? And that'll stretch the field quite a bit for for New England. Mm-hmm. Or they go to the draft, they get a, a young guy that they think can develop into a number one receiver. But this has been New England's weakness for the better part of Bill Belichick's tenure. Finding wide receivers uh, Short of Randy Moss, they really they they were very fortunate with Julian Edelman, and that's a hat tip to Rick Gosselin, who who, who kind of stooged off Edelman to Belichick, saying he's a really good player. I just don't know what you can do with them. But I think tight ends have been what have helped make Tom Brady on top of Randy Moss and Edelman slash Welker, you know the the slot receivers that have been there for him. They need an outside guy. They know it. We know it. And if the better the outside guy they bring in, the more interesting Brady will become on draft day. Let's talk about Sony Michelle. I I do fear that he might get a little overvalued based on the playoffs because if you, if you look at him uh, in the regular season, I'll just give you the numbers on Sony Michelle. He was the number twenty five running back in non PPR. He was number thirty three in PPR. Now he played uh, thirteen games. 
Uh, I took the first three games out. He didn't play in week one. He had 10 carries in week two. He had uh, 14 carries in week three. And then they kind of turned him loose. So what about from weeks four through 17? Well, he was the number 27 running back in non-PPR, number 28 in PPR. Wasn't as good as we thought. He just had one, like, great, great stretch. He also did miss a little bit of time in there. Um, but, uh, Dave, you, you said he's top 35 player, Sony Michelle? Overall. Not at running back. At right, running right, back, right, he's right. Overall. way higher than that. And he also turned out to rank 13th in terms of consistency among running backs in non-PPR this year. I don't have the PPR consistency numbers. I would guess that he ranked way lower than that because he didn't catch the ball. Ever. But I think he proved what he's capable of doing. He can handle 20 touches a week. And I think he's a little underrated as a pass catcher. Don't be surprised if he comes back next year and has a catch or two in just about every game. But I think he's really, really solid. And, uh, you know, just we, we didn't see a lot of long runs from Sonny Michel. We saw him play more as like a physical grinding type of running back. He can be a playmaker. And getting that type of guy in round three, again, this is if the Patriots don't add another quality name at running back. They keep status quo with White and Burkhead. I'm going to be a happy camper getting Sonny Michel middle to the end of round three. Heath, what about you? Yeah, I think I, I may even take him a little bit earlier than that. I mean, you look at his season, and he played 16 games if you count the playoffs. He rushed for 1,260 yards and 12 touchdowns. Yep. Yeah, but and but he I, had seven. He had uh, what, like 10 catches, 11 catches. In those yeah, he's not going to help you out a lot in terms of catches. But so, I think the Patriots are probably going to score a bunch of touchdowns again next year, and Sony Michelle looks like the guy in those situations. So how, but how can you justify taking him in the third round if he's, ne- I mean, if he's that bad in PPR? If he's that, is that uninvolved in the passing game? Is he really, is Sonny Michelle really a third round pick in PPR? In PPR, it'd be more difficult. I was looking at non-PPR rankings. I'm not sure if I've got him in the third round or not in that format. I have him in early round four. And here's one other thing that I think was interesting. I believe... He finished, if you count the postseason, I believe he had the second most carries among running backs. He had uh, 290 touches, 280 carries. He had 10 catches uh, postseason and regular season. But I don't know if that matters to you, but um, Ezekiel Elliott, that, I believe. Not at that number. The over 300 number might, might bother you, but that, that number doesn't bother me. Okay, yeah, it's funny because Sonny Michelle ended up with more carries than Todd Gurley. Gurley had 286, and Michelle had 290. Of course, that includes the postseason. All right, and uh, is Julian Edelman, I mean, he was a top, I believe, eight wide receiver in fantasy after he came back from his suspension. Is he a stud? Huh? Well, when you talk about a stud receiver, usually that delivers a connotation of being a first or second round pick, doesn't it? I think he played well enough to be that. I know we wouldn't take him there, but... he. If he repeats well, what he did, you know, in 2018, he's probably going to be a second-round caliber player. Adam, I, I I quizzed you about this before we started recording. Heath, I'll quiz you. We we saw Julian Edelman have two games in the playoffs with 24 PPR fantasy points. How many times in the regular season did Julian Edelman in full PPR get you 24 points? Um, I would say it was probably sometime somewhere right around four. Try zero. <laughs> Biggest shock that I found out today. That's that's my trivia of the day. Is that Julian Edelman, he had one game with 23. 
he was very much in the teens, even in PPR. I'm uh, I'm I'm a little flummoxed by that. That was surprising to me too. But every and week he also, was so I consistent. I also thought this was far and away maybe his best season ever. Yeah, and statistically it might be. I don't have his numbers in front of me, but I don't know if he can come back and do exactly that. I'm still willing to take him, probably just ahead of Sony Michelle in PPR, and uh, significantly later than that, none. I guess so what no, I would say. Not a stud. I guess what I would say is that if you don't think that Brady's going to get a big upgrade in weaponry, then we prob- that probably means that Julian Edelman's going to have his best year or, you know, do basically this for 16 games. Right? I mean, the thing that will be interesting is does he score the touchdowns at the same rate that he did this year? Because, yeah, if he scores eight touchdowns next year, that would be a career high, but that was the pace he was on this year. And he goes over a thousand yards, and he catches ninety passes. Then yeah, it's he's going to be phenomenal. I think it's probably more likely that he's in that ninety a thousand six range, which I'm fine with him in PPR in the third round as their roster is currently constructed. Okay, yeah, I, I mean I, I could buy more touchdowns from him, especially if Gronk retires, and if he's clearly the best receiver, I could buy him. You know, having a career high in touchdowns, he had six touchdowns in twelve games. Uh, okay, let's go over to the Rams. Let's talk about the Rams. So, uh, we talked about Jared Goff's value. Where do you guys have Jared Goff ranked? He is a uh, top 12. He's top 10 for me among quarterbacks. I currently have him seventh. I don't want to skew him lower just because of how he played in the Super Bowl because I know he's going to play a lot of really lesser defenses for most of next year. But he's right around pick 100 for me overall. He's going to be one of the quarterbacks that you just wait and wait and wait, and the value is too good, and you can't believe he's there, and you take him just before 100th overall. I have Jared Goff 7th and at 102 overall, and that was without ever looking at Dave's rankings before I did mine. <laughs> Very nice. All right, Gurley, uh, we, we uh, spent a lot of time yelling screaming about that but, one. But do, but do you did your opinion change after that game? Yes, I feel even more confident now that they are going to ride Todd Gurley as a workhorse. And especially if they bring C.J. Anderson back, because C.J. Anderson stinks. I don't know what the hell happened at the end of the regular season. C.J. Anderson is not the answer. Um, I, I, we need a little bit more information. Because, listen, if, if Sean McVay had a fully 100% healthy Todd Gurley and gave him 10 carries and one catch, 11 touches last night, then that is a dreadful decision. Absolutely dreadful. I agree. There's no which, way that's the which case. Which means that's not the case. What does that mean? He's hurt. He's obviously of hurt. Yeah. So yes. so we'll uh, so no, I feel fine with it. You know, I I think if he has a procedure, it'll be minor. He'll be ready to go, and um, I'm fine with him at number one overall. And I hope I have the second or third pick, and I can take him there. Um, yeah, I've got him third in non PPR and fourth in PPR. Okay, um, Dave. <laughs> What's up? Where do you have Gurley? Third and non PPR, second in PPR. Okay. <sighs> oh, the wide receivers. Who's the first Rams wide receiver off the board? This is a really interesting discussion, I think. Should I have be? Woods, Cooks, one other receiver, not on the Rams, and then Cup in non PPR. And they are all top fifty. Where are they? I, I where was, are they at wide receiver? Thinking, I've got Cooks at 
19. I've got Woods at 17. I've got Cup at 29. That's for PPR. Non-PPR, I've got Woods 17, Cooks 18, Cup 20. I was kind of thinking, if if the Rams liked what they saw from Josh Reynolds, who would be the receiver to go from Woods, Cooks, and Cup? Not that they have to send one away, but if they wanted to promote Reynolds and give him more work, who would be the one that they would move on from? Cup. Well, everybody always moves on from Brandon Cooks. Yeah, they they invested too much in Cooks, I think, to just let him go after one year. Nobody's going anywhere. I I think you're right. I don't think anybody would go anywhere. I wonder if it would be Woods, who is, I believe he's closer to 30 than any of the receivers that they have. And he's got a pretty decent amount of money left on his contract. Look, I'm not saying that they're going to do it at all. I I agree. I think they're just going to keep them all. But just... Wonder if they, if they wanted to give Reynolds more work, who would be the one that could go? And I think it would be Woods. Here's something I saw uh, in in the stats, because when you look at Brandon Cooks, he has been so consistent, and he basically did exactly what he always does. It's around 80 catches. It's you know like 1,100, 1,200 yards. It's about 117 targets, year after year, pretty much, but five touchdowns. Jared Goff. Jared Goff, Andrew Luck, and Patrick Mahomes all threw right around 100 passes in the red zone. Jared Goff was so much worse than the other two. He threw 12 fewer touchdown passes than Mahomes in the red zone, just red zone touchdowns, and 10 fewer than Andrew Luck. All three of them had 100 to 103 red zone pass attempts, according to profootballreference.com. So if you look at the Rams... One of the best offenses in football. Not one player had more than six touchdown catches. So another, so I think golf was a little inefficient there. The other thing I noticed is that he spread the ball around. When you look at red zone targets and targets inside the 10 yard line, um, it's very, very evenly distributed. I won't go through the numbers. However, I think Cooper Cup would have ran away with the, with the win there if he hadn't gotten hurt. Uh, in fact, Cup had six touchdown catches in eight games. Robert Woods had six touchdown catches in 16 games. I don't know what that means for Brandon Cook's touchdowns, but I just have a hard time believing he catches only five next year. And uh, if you want to know where these guys finished, uh, Brandon Cooks was 14th in non-PPR, 13th in PPR. Robert Woods was 10th in, P- in non-PPR, 11th in PPR. Uh, so there's, there you go. Uh, I just wanted to throw that out there. The touchdowns were a little weird for the Rams, very, very evenly distributed. But I guess my point is like, Hey, maybe Cooper Cup ends up being the best guy. If he is Jared Goff's red zone guy, which I think he that's two years in a row where he's really been Jared Goff's red zone guy, maybe he ends up being the best receiver for them. If he's Could be. Could be. And he also averages, or he did average five catches per game, which is nice consistency that we're looking for. And it's it's hard to cover all the Rams receivers when they're all healthy, plus Gurley. There's no doubt that Goff was a different quarterback wasn't necessarily uh bad for fantasy without cooper cup but i think he'll be happy when cups back and uh i i like the idea of trying to steal cooper cup on draft day already all right final thoughts on the rams heath they'll be back here again yeah they'll be great uh you know if andrew whitworth retires though their left tackle it could really make a difference uh, so he's he's considering it. We got some news and notes. We got some more Super Bowl thoughts, commercials, halftime show, all that good stuff right after this. 
The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at newbalance.com. What's up, everyone? I want to tell you about a car that you are going to love. Check it out. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, I love that, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. So let's say you're ready to take the family on a camping trip or something like that. The Santa Fe is perfect for you. You've got all-wheel drive. You can load everyone up in the third row. It's time to start being adventurous, and you need the right car, and that's the Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. All right, what was, uh, what was your favorite commercial? Uh, the NFL ad and the Bud Light Game of Thrones ad. Um, I will say the NFL ad and the Microsoft ad. What was- How about the Burger King Andy Warhol ad, huh? No. Does that make you want to go get Burger King or what? I didn't see either. Of that. I didn't. I really didn't see. I didn't see one commercial except for the Game of Thrones one because somebody's like, "Oh, look at that!" Uh, until this morning, our our website cbsports.com/slash/nfl has a wonderful recap of the best commercials. I loved the T-Mobile "What should we have for dinner?" one with the tacos, with texting or he's texting his girl. He's like, "Hey, what are we gonna get for dinner?" And then he's like. You don't know. She's like, he's like sushi. You know, eh, just look it up. It's very funny. Um, okay. That was great. And then uh, I didn't really watch the halftime show. The the Stella commercial oh, uh, really upset upset me. Why? Yeah, it was disappointing. <laughs> Why? Because we knew the dude was coming was going to be there on Sunday. We didn't know what he was going to do, and it did not live up to my to my hopes and dreams. Yeah, I'm with you. Well, that movie sucks anyway. So. Halftime oh, show. You suck. <laughs> you suck as a human being. Oh, no. <laughs> Halftime show. Uh, give it a one you to have ten. One, you have one opinion on a movie, and he just declares you a horrible <laughs> human being. Heath, I like Ozark. I finished season two. It's good. I'm glad you like Ozark. Yeah, it's very good. Uh, I, I don't care about the halftime show. Um, I could have used. Big a, Boy was good. I could have used more clothing on Adam Levine, I would have to say. Uh, I don't. I don't know why he had to do all that, but okay, whatever. Apparently, he yeah, likes my California. kids. Were, my kids were making fun of him by the end of the halftime show. Really? Yeah. yeah. I, you know, I the the Maroon Five album, "Songs About Jane," is a great album. Everything other than that is just pure pop crap. I, they're like the biggest sellouts of all uh, time. Be careful! Someone's going to say that you suck as a human being. <laughs> Also, it'll be Heath, not on this take. They were just on the they're just on the CBS halftime show, so maybe I should have said that. When I like sell out, mean they sell out all their shows because they are that good. Uh, I'm just disappointed because I loved that album so much, and I wanted them to make more music like that. And then they then moves like Jagger came out, and I was like, okay, it's over. Uh, news and notes: Rob Gronkowski is going to make a decision in a few weeks. 
and uh, Andrew Whitworth may retire, and Devin and Jason McCourty, Patriots defensive backs, they may retire. Cincinnati will hire Chargers, or nope, um, Rams quarterbacks coach, Zach Taylor, as their head coach. The Dolphins will hire uh, Brian Flores of the Patriots as their head coach, and the Dolphins plan to release Ryan Tannehill. Have I said anything that's fantasy relevant so far? And if Gronk retires, that's obviously fantasy relevant, although I don't think many people would rush to draft him if he came back in 2019 anyway. Uh, I mean, his last two games, he had about 80 yards. Uh, he said he was healthy, finally, and we, or he said he was like the healthiest he felt all year. I think he could be a right. steal if he go. He Rob Gronkowski is a steal if you take him where? Round eight. Heath? Yeah, I think that's... Uh... I think that's a steal. Okay. Uh, right, maybe even round seven. Jared Cook or Rob Gronkowski next year? Cook is on the. Oh, let's put him on the Raiders again. He's a free agent, I know, but that's a good idea. I bet they bring him back. I currently have Gronk ranked higher. I do too, but I, probably Cook and PPR. Dallas will not extend Jason Garrett's contract, so he will be a lame duck, and that's just that's just a little dicey. Does a coaching staff get more criticism for success than the Cowboys staff? I mean, like, they've actually done a pretty good job. IMO, in my opinion. Sure. I mean, it depends on what your goal is. They've, they've been very good at not being very bad. Hot take. Not that hot. If Zeke didn't get suspended and, and, yeah, if he didn't get suspended last year, they'd have made the playoffs three years in a row. That's pretty good. Yeah. All right. I think there's a lot of franchises that would love to have yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. Uh, let's see. New Orleans defensive coordinator Dennis Allen has signed a new contract to stay with the team. Carson Wentz acknowledged that he could have been a better teammate. Yeah. Come on, Carson. Be a better teammate. Like you, Carson Wentz is a terrible human being. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, oh, boy. Uh, I, I think he can be another steal pick in fantasy drafts next year. I think a lot of people are going to overlook him and let him fall in double-digit rounds. That's going to be an awesome time to go and just pluck him. And Don't forget, he he's pretty good when he gets out there and actually plays football. And finally, probably the most important news item, Ron Rivera said that Cam Newton is already showing a big improvement. His surgery was minimally invasive. He's uh, looks like Cam Newton's going to be maybe ready for OTAs. Is that possible? That would be great. That would be really good. I'd be happy yeah. with that. I, I I don't know about you, Heath. I've got him outside of my top 12 uh, until I see that the shoulder is not an issue. Yep. Yeah, I've I've currently got him 14th, still ahead of Brady, but I he could move as high as 7. Like, if he's ready for OTAs and no restrictions by the time he gets to camp, I could see putting him at 7 because there's a pretty big drop-off. Yep, I'm with you. I think uh, Cam Newton... Not that I expect anyone to rank him this way, but he's he's always got a chance to be the number one quarterback, right? With his rushing ability? Sure. I don't know how much more he'll do of that. Or how prolific. I don't say how. Yeah, maybe I will say how much more he'll do. I, I think his rush attempts could go down. I think his scoring could go down on the ground. And trusting Cam for his arm, last year was really the first time where it actually looked pretty good until he got hurt. No, his MVP year, he threw the ball great. That's true. Yeah, I don't know why I forgot about that. Yeah, second best time. 
I think people overlooked that like his passing stats were just kind of out of this world. That well for him anyway. Um, right. Cam Newton and I just want to see his rushing touchdowns. He only had four this year. That's a career low. He's usually around six, but he's had two double digit years. Um, yeah, that's gonna be uh, part of my I'm sure my uh, questions that I'll have about Christian McCaffrey and hey, what if Cam Newton gets more goal line work or something like that. Uh, all right, we got time to talk about that. It's time to look at free agents. I said to Heath, is there anything else you want to talk about other than the Super Bowl? He said, how about a quick rundown of relevant free agents? So this segment is called A Quick Rundown of Relevant Free Agents. Quarterbacks. Some of these guys are going to be, not just the quarterbacks, but all throughout the list. Some of them are going to be restricted free agents, uh, some unrestricted. But the quarterbacks, Tyrod Taylor, Teddy Bridgewater, Ryan Fitzpatrick, and Josh Johnson. Tyrod Taylor, Teddy Bridgewater, Ryan Fitzpatrick, and Josh Johnson. Could any of those four be two-quarterback league relevant next year? Yes, it is entirely possible. Taylor could be a bridge quarterback. Bridgewater could be a bridge quarterback. Fitzpatrick could end up being a backup somewhere, and then the starter gets suspended or hurt, and all of a sudden the beard is back. I'd be surprised if Josh Johnson had a job in 2019. Oh yeah, he, I mean he might, might be a, somebody's third quarterback, but I, I don't think he'll have a any type of path at all to a starting job. I think Taylor and Bridgewater are the two that are really interesting to me because there are going to be a couple of quarterback jobs that are just wide open. Uh, you mentioned Tannehill. Uh, I expect Washington's going to be looking for a quarterback. I, I wouldn't be surprised if those two guys are in those two locations. Now, Adam, do you want to talk about quarterbacks that could get cut as well? And lump them in. To be you honest can do with that you, with every position. To be honest with you, Dave, um, I I only want to talk about quarterbacks if we think they could have a big fantasy impact because we have too many running backs and wide receivers to talk about. Okay, all right. So the, the only one then that I would say is Nick Foles, who I think will have a starting job somewhere in the NFL in 2019. I think Jacksonville would probably be the favorite for him. I just I, no, I don't want him. <laughs> On your fantasy team? Yeah, 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 yeah. No, he's a he's a two quarterback league pick. He's a bye week replacement. He's a world champion. Put some respect on Nick Foles' name. Adam. Excuse me, you are talking to the podcast host of the year. He okay? Don't ever uh, do not do that. Running backs. Uh, running backs. Uh, all right. So yeah, big names: Le'Veon Bell, Mark Ingram. Tevin Coleman, Jay Ajayi, Adrian Peterson. Uh, who else? C.J. Anderson. C- yeah, yeah. Uh, those are the big <laughs> ones. Bell, Ingram, Coleman, Ajayi. And we'll give Adrian Peterson some, some love. C.J. Anderson. Uh-huh. Frank Gore. Uh-huh. Regarde Blanc. Well, T.J. Yeldon. Latavius Murray. Oh, that's one. But... How much does – all right. What's the best way to phrase this? Let's talk about Mark Ingram. Do you think he is ready at 29 years old, and he will be 29 all throughout next season as he has a December birthday, to be a feature back and, and be a fantasy stud? Is he too old for that? Uh, what's your thoughts on Mark Ingram? I would be stunned if he landed in that type of role. For, for a team to pay him – a nice amount of money and then say, all right, you're our lead back at 29 years and over 1500 touches over the course of your career. I'd, I'd be surprised. I I think, I think he'll end up in a role just like he's been in 
for the past couple of seasons. I wouldn't be hurt at all if he just stays in New Orleans, and I think that's what Mark Ingram wants to do. So hopefully they can just work something out. Um, I think he could be a feature back for a year or two if that's what somebody a team wanted to do. But I agree with Dave. It, there just aren't that many spots available. 1,500 touches, Dave? Uh, a little bit more than that? Over the course of his career, yeah. yeah. It's not that much. I mean, that's the good thing about him is he doesn't have that much tread on the tire for... No, but but think about from the an NFL team's perspective. How much money and how big of a role are you going to give to a guy that's had that much work and is that age? You know, I, this is almost a better conversation to have if we put Le'Veon Bell with those parameters because I just don't think Mark Ingram... He's going to just have to... It, it's going to be a situation where somebody else gets hurt for Mark Ingram to put on a role that would be really good for fantasy. Okay, so how about Le'Veon Bell? How much does his, you know, landing spot matter when, when terms of where you're going to rank him when you're going to draft Le'Veon Bell? Uh, spot's going to matter a lot for Le'Veon Bell. Okay, yeah. so so like the Colts, I think would be the best, right? I my biggest thing is like one of the biggest complaints that Bell had was the work that he was getting in Pittsburgh and the, the amount of touches he was getting. I think it seems fairly likely the market for him is not going to be quite what he thinks it is, especially if he's going in with the idea of, I don't want 300 touches a year. I've got eight teams that I think are in the market for a running back. You tell me how you'd like Le'Veon Bell in each of these markets. Here we go. Buffalo, where they can move on from LaShawn McCoy. No. I don't think I'd love him in Buffalo. I think it'd be kind of fun, but I don't think he'd hit his max potential. Uh, Indianapolis, that would be amazing. The best. Houston, I think Houston would be pretty fun, even with their offensive line being what it is. It's just the nature of their offense. I don't think it would be as good as Indianapolis, but I think it would be fun. Miami, that would be a nightmare. Yeah. The Jets, I think the Jets would be pretty good. Uh, a pretty big nightmare. No, I don't think so. Really? I think that would be pretty – I think it would be bad. Why? I'd put it ahead of Miami. I'm not sure I'd put it even ahead of Buffalo. Because okay. I just don't know how good their line really yeah, is. Yeah, but didn't Buffalo have like the worst offensive line in football last year? Yeah, they did, and they still had – well, yeah, I guess their run game really did suck no matter what. You're right. Jets are better than Buffalo. Oakland. I don't know. Well, I, I mean, I don't know that they are. I just – I don't know if the reasoning – Buffalo's got a mobile quarterback. We know that's good. Both teams yeah. are going to upgrade their lines. Um, I don't know. It, I just think they're probably the same. Let's say they're the same. Bills and Jets. Can we okay. uh, agree? Handshake agreement. Okay, great. All right. They're tied for toward the bottom. Sure. I, I wouldn't mind Le'Veon Bell in Oakland because I think John Gruden would wear him out. And I think the offensive line, especially the guards in the center, would be very good for him. Uh, and then Philadelphia and Tampa Bay are the last two, and I think both of those spots would be good, although Philadelphia would then basically be committing a cardinal sin of theirs by paying or running back a ton of money and having him as their main guy. I just don't think that that's really in their DNA to do. Tampa Bay might be desperate enough to do it. And I want to hate Tampa Bay with Bruce Arians. Yeah. Um, but Indianapolis is at the top of the list. Yeah, I think the Dolphins is the only team you said there that I would be like, oh gosh, please no. Uh, you know, I, I think Heath that Le'Veon Bell should expect and will get more than 300 touches if he plays 16 games. Because that's, I mean, Barkley had more than 300. 
McCaffrey had more than 300. Gurley had more than 300, and he missed some time. Zeke had 304 carries. Those elite running backs, if they stay healthy, they're getting 300 touches. If, if he's going to be like Alvin Kamara, who had like uh, like about 275 touches, you know, he's going to have to be amazing on a per-touch basis, which he could be, but that wouldn't be good. But I, I think I'm not really too worried about his workload, but it will certainly be less than what he got with Pittsburgh. I, right. Yeah. Yes. And and, and, and ha- yeah. Go ahead. I, I guess that I wonder because there are definitely teams and coaches that have more of a committee approach. Even if not fifty fifty, but but are definitely looking to share the load between two backs more than other teams and coaches are. And I wonder if that's one of the things that goes into his choosing a new team is he wants to be in one of those situations. Well, the number one thing that's going to be into that goes into his choosing of a new team is how much he's getting paid. Because I'm pretty convinced that he's all about the bottom line and not trying to win a championship, which might be a reason to stay away from him. I think that's one of Jamie's reasons for staying away from Le'Veon in 2019. He just, he, it, for him to get a good rushing average, he needs a good offensive line. He needs a good quarterback that'll open things up. Those lanes will get open for him and he can get close to five yards per carry and He's got to have a clever enough play caller that's going to throw him the ball five times a game. If that happens, then Le'Veon will be worth a first-round price tag. Let's say you're drafting right now. We don't know what team he's on. How are you ranking Joe Mixon, Le'Veon Bell, and Nick Chubb? Chubb, got, Mixon, Bell. I believe I have Bell ahead of Mixon in non-PPR. I've got Bell at 12th at running back at the end of the second round. And you guys... And I've got him... I have him slightly before that. And you guys both have Nick Chubb first on that list of three? Yeah. I, yep. And you like, I, think, I think Chubb should be considered an, an elite fantasy running back. He's my seventh favorite player in the draft this year. And I assume you like James Conner better than Le'Veon Bell. That's not the case for me. No? Yes, I, I do have Conner ahead of Bell. How about Philip Lindsay or Le'Veon Bell? Bell. Bell. Okay. Uh, we'll save wide receivers and tight ends for our next show, which will be at some point later this week. But what other running back, Coleman, Ajayi, Peterson, Latavius Murray, Frank Gore, Doug Martin, Marshawn Lynch, you know, who, all these Spencer Ware. No. Uh, which other running back are you? <laughs> he's, who, who are you most excited about other than we talked about Bell and Ingram? Who's the, the third most exciting free agent running back for you? Oh, for me, it's definitely Coleman. Just depending. I mean, the right answer to this is the guy that signs with the team that wants to give them the most touches. Yeah, sure. But we don't know that yet. So it's absolutely Coleman just because he's younger. Uh, I think he is, has more explosiveness and he has the ability if, if he could hold up to 250, 300 touches to really have a a big breakout. And he's going to come at such a cheap price compared to Le'Veon Bell that I'm sure some teams are going to say, look, why should we spend $10 $10 million, and that might be low, $10 million a year for Le'Veon Bell when we can spend $6 million a year for a couple of years on Tevin Coleman. Coleman can catch passes. Coleman might not be, you know, the the accelerator and the and the burner that Le'Veon is, but these teams also don't know what Le'Veon is because he hasn't played football in a year. So they might say, ah, forget it with Le'Veon. And they'll just move right into Tevin Coleman at a cheaper price point, and he could end up being on a team. We went down the whole list. Imagine him in Houston. I think that would be pretty good. Imagine him in Oakland. That wouldn't be such a bad thing. 
So Tevin Coleman, I'm fairly excited about. He's second for me behind Le'Veon in terms of free agent running backs for fantasy. Okay. All right. Like I said, wide receivers, tight ends later this week. I wish I knew which day it will be. Unfortunately, I don't. Uh, but will it will happen this week. Let me read a few emails at fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. This is from Mike from Beer City, USA, which is apparently Grand Rapids, Michigan. And he says, Dear Creston, Perrin, Schmoz, Schmoz, and Founders. Those are breweries. In Grand Rapids. Well, I know Founders is a brewery. I've actually not heard of the other three. Yeah, they're Grand Rapids breweries. Get on, Step up your game. In my 12-team, three-player keeper league in which we can keep players forever with no penalty, I have Antonio Brown, Brandon Cooks, David Johnson, and Darius Geis. So, again, you can keep three of them forever, no penalty. Antonio Brown, Cooks, David Johnson, and Geis. Is there any concern about keeping Antonio Brown and David Johnson together as my team's uh, going forward? If you were a different owner in this league, would you be targeting Brown or Johnson or Geis? No, I'm I'm keeping good players, and Johnson and Brown still qualify as good players. And if you want to just, if you're worried about maybe the age of Antonio Brown being a factor, Darius Geis is pretty young. Looks like he's making a nice recovery from his ACL. I would keep him, and throw back Brandon Cooks with with the idea being that Darius Geis can be yours for as long as he's upright and playing in the National Football League. Right. Okay. Next question is from uh, Thayer. Dear Taro, Haupia, Cherry, and Apple. Haupia? Turnovers. Yeah. Uh, You're you're reading it from the notes, right, Heath? That they're turnovers? You didn't really know. Uh, Well, you can purchase those from McDonald's in Hawaii. Have you you never been to Hawaii? uh, You know, stop reading all the things that are just that our listeners wrote in the email. How do you know he's reading it, I know he's reading it. I've never been to Hawaii, have you? Yes, I yes. have. I went to McDonald's and I had a tarot turnover. <laughs> okay, I need your help to get a turnover on downs to count for two points for the defense. This idea is long overdue and relevant for the new NFL. I don't understand why some of the most celebrated and emotional plays in football, like a goal line stand, doesn't score points for the DST. How can we get this done? Mahalo. I think there's something to that. Love it. I agree 100%. It should be done. It Love should it. count just as much as an interception or a fumble recovery. Heath, have you really been to Hawaii? Yes. And Dave, you have too? Yes. And Jamie has too? Yeah. I guess I need to go to Hawaii. What's your problem, man? You're missing out. But he's never really been to New York City. He didn't oh, really he's like, been to New York City. He didn't City. really get I've to explore it. it. I ate New York pizza. No, you didn't. I <laughs> did New York sightseeing. Oh, my God. And it was everything that I'd expected. What did you have? What was the pizza you had? It was some like Mama's Pizza, unbelievable. Yeah, it was. It was really terrible. It was <laughs> yeah. like the worst New York experience you could. It, have. it would be like someone going to Kansas City, finding McDo- finding a McDonald's, getting a McRib, and be like, "Oh, yes. I had these <laughs> these great baby back ribs in Kansas City." Yeah, he, he saw he saw parts of Times Square in a downpour. He had. The worst New York style pizza you could have, and then he he uh, left super early on a flight the next day and uh, was on the same plane as New York icon Mick Foley. Ah, how about that? Least, that was his got New York something experience. out of it. I think I think the best part for Heath was coming home. This is from 
Jared Jallens from Houston. Go Texans. I Did we po- even mention the hotel that we stayed at in New York? No, it wasn't. That should be part of the experience. It was uh, It was a uniquely themed boutique hotel. What, what would you say the theme of the hotel was, Heath? Swanky? No. <laughs> no. It was um, like it would have been a great place like to take your wife for an evening. <laughs> I think it was like a Kama Sutra type theme. Ah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, <laughs> interesting. I've been playing a dream team fantasy pick 'em. Uh, oh, wow. I, th- I meant to read this before the Super Bowl. So I'll just read it so we can laugh at me, best host, where you try to choose the very best quarterback, two best running backs, and two best pass catchers, tight end or wide receiver, each week. Uh, for the Super Bowl, who do you think the top performers in each category will be <laughs> if you had uh, to choose? Jared Goff, Sony Michelle, Todd Gurley, Julian Edelman, and Brandon Cooks. You're already wrong because Tom Brady scored one more fantasy point than Jared Goff. You lose. Uh, P.S. Josh Adams in the ninth round. Come on, Heath. I'd rather have Frank Gore. Ooh. I'd rather... I might rather have a DST. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, All right, we're out of here. Thank you for listening, everybody. Uh, I know you didn't enjoy the Super Bowl, so I hope you enjoy the NBA, I guess. And Fantasy Baseball. Listen to Fantasy Baseball Today podcast. Excuse me. Hold on a second. The AAF is kicking off. Oh, yeah. That's cool. This Sunday on CBS. That's cool. I'm into that. We've got we have more football coming. I'm not going to say it's going to be better or worse than the Super Bowl, but it's football. Can, can, it, please tell me that they're marketing, and it's late enough in the show that I can say this, and Adam can just cut it if you can't say it. <laughs> but their marketing is it's lit AAF. <laughs> I'm keeping that. That stays. That's Heath Cummings, Dave Richard. I'm Adam Azer. We'll talk to you later in the week. Thanks, everyone. Uh, na, 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 na. Na.